Hello, this is Tom Basello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission is to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales, content, and value enablement journeys and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is Mark Ebert. He is the SVP of sales for Sixth Sense. And those who aren't familiar with Sixth Sense, they are the leading account engagement platform and they help sales and marketers and customer success organizations drive predictable revenue through better account intelligence, orchestration and measurement. And we at Mediafly, we are a Sixth Sense customer. We at Evolve Selling Institute, we are a Sixth Sense customer. I get the reports all the time and we use it very, very well to do just what is indicated there make more predictable revenue and connect better by knowing what accounts are visiting our site. Man, Sixth Sense has been a great success and Mark has been there for the past four years to help drive that. Before that, he was RVP of Enterprise Sales at Oracle Marketing Cloud and he held enterprise sales roles at Responsus and Experian Evolvers. Please welcome Mark Ebert. Tom, thank you for having me on, excited to be here. Awesome. So you and the team at Sixth Sense have experienced some absolutely incredible growth. So I want you to talk about that growth a little bit. And, you know, without growth, um, you know, you wouldn't have some of the valuation and some of the success that you've had at Sixth Sense. But, man, I'm sure it didn't come without some significant challenges presented to you and the team. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, it's been it's been really fun over the last four years. You know, I um, this is this is my first time, you know, truly leading a sales team uh, from the top, and it's been a, a, quite the learning experience. I, I like to tell everyone every year with bigger growth targets, you know, it's like a whole new set of things I've never done before, <laughs> um, and uh, we've got aggressive growth targets here. We've been doubling the business year over year and um, plan to do it again this year. And so, yeah, with that, we um, we run into our fair share of challenges for sure. I, I, I think I could bucket them in a few different areas. The one, the first one, you know, as a leader, you're always thinking about the people you're putting into place. And every year, the challenge is really um, making sure we have the right people in the org to um, continue the growth and uh, it's new skill sets and you know new roles. Um, you know, just this year we brought on a you know a, a VP of enablement as an example. It was really time for um, for that for that hire. But people is one, and then the as the team gets bigger, we're now over fifty sellers in the company and gosh, everything just gets harder with, with scale. So when we think about um, new processes, uh, we have a very, you know, we're in a very competitive environment. So our challenges are how do we continue to enable our team, get them ready in a position to win and also um, help our buyers navigate what is a, you know, a really complex buying motion with, with a lot of great competitors out there. So um Plenty of challenges, Tom, as, as you know. Yeah, the whole account intelligence orchestration measurement space is a new one. So I'd, I'd imagine that, you know, trying to get the buyers to understand, trying to get them to navigate the decision 
definitely a challenge. I know that you sell to both sales and marketing and, mm -hmm. you know, it can be tough to get the team, not just to show up and throw up and kind of talk about all the great things that Sixth Sense can do. You really almost have to say, okay, you know, who am I talking to? What are the challenges they're faced yeah. with the use cases? And that's not always easy to get a seller to do. Talk about that a little bit and how you addressed that challenge. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad you bring it up because it is one of our bigger challenges here is that we, we have, you know, eight to 10 personas we sell to um, in an organization. So, you know, a, a CMO, CRO down to demand gen and, you know, revenue operations, we have quite a few different um, uh, buyers, if you will, inside a company. It's, it's great on one end, we have a lot of doors to get in. It's very hard on the other end as we train the team on how to navigate those cycles. So um, we spend a ton of calories focusing on training there. And the place that I always start is, is first and foremost, you know, by the time we get on the phone with, with, um, with a potential customer, it's meet them where they're at, mm -hmm. right? And in our industry, there's a lot of excitement around learning what these platforms can do. Um, they don't necessarily know how to evaluate, but they are really interesting and they're, excuse me, really interested. So, you know, we suss out like, are they, are they in a learn mode or are they in an evaluate mode? And then we got to train the team on how to get to the bottom of that and pivot into a playbook from there that, you know, that we work on pretty religiously. Um, and we, when I go, when I mentioned earlier, the multiple personas, um, training on how to deliver messaging and run a sales cycle through, you know, lots of different buyers is, is one of our ongoing pursuits. Right. And so, um, we have to really think about what makes it different from an experience standpoint that they're looking for the content that they, that we are preparing our sellers with and, um, and then aligning to our sales process in uh, a whole bunch of different ways. So it's a, it's a giant initiative on our end that I don't think we'll ever truly finish. Now, I know one of the things that we collaborated with you on uh, was really refining the presentation, the point of view that the sellers yeah. use as the main instrument, particularly with virtual selling being something that got thrown your way, right? In the middle of everything. No question. Um, Doing, you know, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of your selling was done online before the pandemic, but, you know, it was still good to go and see customers and shake hands with some of the, the executives that you're going to do big deals with. That certainly got thrown out the window. And now, you know, you yeah. got a whole bunch of new sellers. They're all having to do virtual selling. You got all these personas and you had a deck that was pretty linear and may not have been working perfectly. So talk right. about how you reimagined the way that your sellers present in these virtual environments. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, it, that project, you know, I, I think single-handedly moved the needle on our win rates because um, we we didn't have the content down right, we, and you know, we work with we worked with MediaFly on two things. First, how do we deliver a different experience? to our buyer when everyone's now, like you said, shoved onto a Zoom meeting and trying to, um, and trying to differentiate. 
So not only are we focused on our, our actual company and product differentiators, but how do we differentiate just the experience of our buyer? Um, and then the second thing was, how do we build uh, our content to pivot into these different scenarios very quickly that kind of align to our sales process? And so what, what we ended up with was um, a new way to present, right? We, we present out of MediaFly, which is, is great for a few reasons. One, we, we, love the, we love the data that we get off the back end of, of the platform. We love how easy it is to uh, know when that content is being viewed after a meeting, et cetera. But we also um, love how interactive the content is. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I'll give you an example, Tom, like one of the, one of the core places that we struggle is our, was when, in our first meeting where we didn't necessarily know where they were. When I said earlier, like meet the buyer where they're at and we have to train our team to be ready to kind of pivot on a dime based on what, what we find out, are we in learn mode or evaluate mode? And, um, so we've built an experience in our content that like allows us in the, the in the actual deck to go one of two different ways and um, support the different outcomes we're looking for based on what we hear in a, in a first meeting. Yeah, and an interactive discovery basically, right? So as you're discovering, you're then teaching about what was discovered and then you're able to drill to the next level, do a little bit more discovery with that interactive presentation and then go, and unpeel the next level of kind of education and teaching and demonstration to them, right? Exactly, yeah. I um, love that. And so it took this linear kind of experience that was to show up and throw up and you had to kind of guess at what your customer was wanting to now this completely tunable and even better than that, kind of guided discovery that the seller's doing interactively with the buyer. And as they're discovering, they're going down and creating their own journey. Exactly. The, um, the other thing that we, you know, I think was a challenge, it, it remains a challenge is back to, you know, our categories, exciting people with, with, without question, they see our technology and it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that we're never finishing a meeting where they're like, that's not interesting right there, but it's that, as we know, that doesn't drive sales, like interesting doesn't drive like a real good opportunity. So we had to really pull back our sales process and get to the bottom of like, what do we want to accomplish in a first meeting and kind yeah. of in our, our first stage of our cycle, you brought it up a second ago, like around discovery and, um, and focus a whole lot more on what we're helping our customers achieve first, like what problems they're overcoming, what they're, what we're helping them achieve. How do we do that through interactive, cool storytelling um, but that is just an example of like our stage one, you know, here at Sixth Sense and the content was not aligned to that, the, the fact that we had to get first into kind of that outcomes-based discussion yeah. before we got into all the great things that we do as a business, which without question was going to be interesting, but it's kind of like building a, a house on some really loose footing without a foundation. And so we, we had to retool that entire experience. Overload and overchoice come to mind as you're talking about that. Whereas before, right. uh, you know, knowing how your seller sold and, and sat sitting in on some pitches before, when they'd come in, they'd show off all the cool capabilities and features that were interesting to that persona. And then also interesting to a bunch of other personas. 
And it was all really cool. And you wanted to learn so much because there was so much exciting to see. But it, and that's attractive. But the issue becomes from a neuroscience perspective that what is attractive can actually slow you down from actually making a decision and making a choice. And if you've right. got too much that's thrown at you that's not relevant to the pain and the problem that you need to solve, it creates an overchoice problem. And that's right. yeah, so you're probably faced with a lot of no decisions as a result, right? That's a lot right. of interest, a lot of long decision cycles, but because you weren't curating and getting to the point of, okay, you've got these three things that you need to solve right now. Let me show you exactly how I'm going to solve them and put blinders on almost to everything else. You can always do it in expand motion with them, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly yeah. right. Awesome. Uh, well said. Yeah. So, I mean, glad we were able to collaborate and help on that front. Talk a little bit about the data and how you use that. Um, you know, knowing what presenters, your sellers are presenting in the meeting, but then they're packaging that content up with maybe other content to help facilitate the decision, sharing that with buyers. Talk about how that's being done and how you're leveraging that component. Yep. Um, so it, it's a, it was a fundamental shift away from just, you know, the choice of do I PDF up this deck and send it over afterwards? Um, to, hey, why don't we create an experience that extends past the first meeting? Mm -hmm. And that experience can be completely custom built by the seller that um, can continue to engage the prospective customer for uh, on their own terms after that. And so the, the idea being um, that we can share content and control content that we're, we're sharing with the buyer Mm -hmm. we, we obviously we know when it's getting viewed and you know what meetings are converting or excuse me what content is driving opportunities to convert what uh what content is driving meetings not to convert <laughs> and where do we need to optimize our our product marketing resources so the um the the pro this prospective customer data that we get from the interaction with the stuff that we share i think is interesting um it's good intense signal that they're engaged and you know they're sharing but for me back to our product marketing challenges it's it's just, it's also interesting to see well what are the sellers actually doing in the field now we have 50 i can't wrap my arms i can't i like 4 years ago i knew exactly what they were doing mm -hmm. now i don't but with uh with with mediafly and the way in which we manage our content we know who's building what decks like what 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 slides are always used in these different stages and then if we have a conversion rate challenge between certain stages in our process we can go look to to optimize so i, I think it's probably equally or more interesting for me on the um the internal side for optimizing you know the stuff that we're working on in collaboration with our product marketing team yeah i look less at that and i look more at um you know what my buyers are sharing after the meeting because so much of the decision making doesn't happen in that meeting i mean you may have you know three percent of their time during a decision five percent of their time during a decision man if you're lucky you're driving a lot of it maybe you get eight percent of their time that leaves you know 90 some odd percent of the decision making when you're not there and so this buyer facilitation hub, the collection that you share with them is kind of doing the selling by proxy. And it's enabling the champion, the mobilizer within the organization to kind of make the case, 
give the, the buying committee the material they need, give the CFO the material they need to sign off on the project. So I love um, that aspect of it. And then certainly all of the insights that you get to know whether they're engaged or not, when they That's engage, right. when to follow up. As an individual seller, there's an incredible amount of content you get. And then as a content manager or sales enablement professional, knowing what's working and not working so you can optimize it and duplicate that at scale is fantastic. I think, I th I think um, genuinely believe that that movement to the creation of a digital selling environment that, that extends beyond a meeting is, is where modern sell selling is going. And it's so interesting, like there's so much potential that to keep kind of innovating on that. It's, it, it's pretty cool, it's exciting. We've only like scratched the surface on the product innovation. And I know there's stuff coming like right around the corner that I can't talk about yet, but yeah. yeah, it is definitely, you know, what is our job at sellers? It's to make buying easier, you know, make right. it a, a frictionless process. And what better way to do that than with these collections and enhanced capability within those collections. So another thing I know that you're challenged with is, Man, you've got a lot of new sellers that are added, you know, every quarter. And then on top of that, you've got all these product enhancements and innovation and campaigns and new content and tools and best practices. How do you keep it all straight? How do you make sure your sellers are up to date on the latest and they're leveraging what they need to be effective? Um, Sorry, I think that I gave you a headache in that one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as I think about the question, I could break it down in a little bit. You know, the first is there is a lot thrown at our sellers, right? Mm -hmm. And I, for, you know, like for the sales leadership, anyone in a sales leadership role that's, that listens to the podcast, like knows that it's, it's equally scary to consider how confused a new seller might be. And how, what are we doing as a business to simplify down um, what we're asking them to go do. And that might be, you know, content to learn, tools to use, you know, processes to follow, uh, you name it, trainings to go listen to, practice things. So what we, we focused a lot on just like, where can we simplify down for our sellers in the number, and we pull and we ask them. And so, you know, let them share what, what duplicate things are, are you guys doing? Where are you confused? Where can you not find stuff? And what we found was we had an issue of not making it easy for our sellers to find the right material. Um, and, and then second, we do a lot of like product training. We have a lot of product release training. We have a lot of competitive training. Um, they may or may not join those trainings. Where do they go to like get all that afterwards? Yeah, and so we built basically a sales hub um, inside of Mediafly. We moved all of our content into this, this digital hub that you know we, we can have our enablement team in, we have our sales management team in, and we have our product marketing team in. And um, you know, it's finally one place they can go find everything they need to know. But it, it also is like links to all of our playbooks and our sales processes and things. So that was a huge win for us. Um, just getting them to a hub that's got a mobile experience and um, a place they can search for content and find it quickly. Um, that, and, and I'll give you one example of where it was really helpful for us as, as our, some of our 
content that we would use in our meetings changed. Like, let's say we added new logos that we want to put on our customer logo slide. We have one place where that lives and that content's always live and updated so that we don't have like V1, V2, V3, and are we using an outdated deck? So that uh, is another, was a, was a big win for us that product marketing says, hey, we can control this. We'll worry about branding and keeping everything up to date, making sure you know products and stuff that's in the content is good. All you need to worry about is navigating to this one place and, and you know where to find it. Um, and you don't need to worry about updating it, which was our headache two years ago. Love it. And something so simple, but that could cause so many cycles and wasted time and compliance issues, brand issues. So uh, I love the idea of simplifying, curating, making sure that we are not throwing so much um, at the sellers, uh, not doing kind of content by the pound, but really arming them with what they need and also getting them involved to share best practices of what works, what doesn't work, what they have, what they're missing. Um, definitely some great advice there as well, Mark. Um, let's pivot a little bit. Customers, they're definitely focused on how much they're spending. Budgets are still tight, right? Even though all of these companies are recognizing they've got to do things differently and they've got to digitally transform, I'm sure you still have a lot of justification to do with the buyers, the COVID committee, and the CF no, right? Yeah, right. Um, Tell us how you engage with customers and how you shifted to very much a value-based approach across the board. Sure. Um, you're right. Without question, we feel those pressures. We, and we're not, we are by far not the lowest cost solution of our competitive set. So we, we have a job to do to focus on value um, and, you know, focus our buyer's attention on total cost of ownership. And, and we know our win rates competitively are so high against our core competitors, because if we, if we get them into that conversation and we, that we truly understand total cost of ownership and true returns, um, uh, we're highly likely to, to win the business. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get down rabbit holes on pricing um, without building that foundation on value, we're in trouble. So we do a couple things. The first thing is we, we find that a lot of our buyers before they even engage with us, when they're learning and trying to wrap their heads around how these platforms can help them, they want to do a lot of their own self-learning, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, before they even talk to a salesperson, um, and so we knew that. So what we would do is we'll, we'll use six cents. We'll target our buyers by, based on segment. But one of the calls to action for companies that Six Sense is saying is in the kind of purchase or decision or purchase stage is we're drawing their attention to a, an online value assessment um, program that we built with one of the value tools from Mediafly actually. And that it allows a buyer in their own terms and at their own time to plug numbers in and kind of work out what ROI might be here in an, in an experience with Sixth Sense that helps re- really just helps them orient their, um, their attention as to whether or not they want to spend more time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we find that to be a heavily leveraged piece of our kind of our selling motion, but it's also a bigger piece of our entire ABM strategy, which is, you know, 
middle of the funnel consideration, it's a great tool set to get them thinking about what we could do for them. Yeah. And then, um, and then when we're in an active evaluation, and I'd say it's, it's interesting how many of our customers, you know, put us through an ROI or, you know, want to go through an ROI assessment, believe it or not, lots don't, but mm-hmm. um, for the ones that do, we, um, we leverage a, a version of that ROI toolkit to allow a seller and a buyer to collectively kind of collaborate and plugging in the different things to understand what really are our desired kind of returns in a six, 12 month period. And, um, and then we go take that, you know, to the executive committee for sponsorship together. And that's been a, I think the coolest thing about that is you're getting the seller and the buyer to work on it together. And when that happens, it's not something that, you know, previous jobs I've had, we we've had calculators that they either believe it or they don't. And it doesn't work that well that way. Um, because in this way, the, the buyers contributing their own numbers into the equation that they believe. And, and then like the, at the end, they truly are bought in on the, on the proposition for, you know, what value it drives. Yeah. Collaborative value creation, definitely. And it was based on Forrester TEI research, which you commissioned as well as using those media fly tools, both the marketing and, and sales right. to kind of bring it to life. So it has the credibility of the research. It has the interactive tools that are third party developed. And then it has the kind of collaborative fashion where you can challenge every assumption and change every data point to make it completely personalized. So I love it. And I love how you worked it too in the ABM motion of, you know, when you know a buyer's at a certain stage to be able to use it to move them from, to kind of ignite the decision-making, right? To that next level so that they're more motivated. They know that there's real financial gain here that can be had and that there's risk that they could be avoiding in their current planning, which is something every company is looking to do. We, and we all, I'll add one thing, like, uh, at Six Sense, our customers leverage us heavily on the marketing side, um, but a very, very differentiated piece of our solution is our is our sales experience. Um, and we know that when they start looking at their problem as a sales and marketing problem, and that sales adoption and um, kind of the sales buy-in on, on a Six Sense solution is top priority. We, we know we're in a position to go and win. Um, the, the calculator starts considering those things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it allows you as a, as, a, as a sales organization to focus on your differentiators also in your value assessment, right? Um, getting them thinking about value they may not have been even considering before, um, which, you know, is powerful. I love that. As you look to next year, I'm sure there's another doubling in the plans, if not more, <laughs> right? What's the biggest challenge besides these incredible goals that are put in front of you, your quota that's put in front of you, that you need to help the Sixth Sense team tackle and how are you thinking of addressing it? Yes, the um, lots to do, but um, we, uh, Sean Goldie, our head of enablement, who I, I, I just think the world of, he's a, br- a brilliant enablement leader. He and I are spending a lot of time talking about the, with the size of the team, we, the analogy of a of game film versus batting cage. 
And like everything Sean does is, is, is kind of aligned to kind of um, the, the athlete acronyms and things like that. So we, we do a great job with game film. Like we, you know, we leverage our calls, our meetings. We, we know what's happening and we study that, but we don't do a great job of putting our sellers in, in a batting cage. And so we are focused very heavily on getting a lot more practice in kind of micro learning um, mm-hmm. and into the batting cages to prepare them better for the field where, um, and how do we do that more agile next year? So, you know, a competitor releases a new, a new product set and we tomorrow need to go train the team and practice how we address it. Um, we're building the infrastructure right now and the plans for, you know, a, a more live engaging you know, batting cage type um, a scenario and that will scale, to, you know, to 50, 70 sellers. We'll finish this year, probably North of 80 sellers. And so that's a, that's top of mind for us. And, and I'm super excited about it. Cause I know that the team is eager for it. Yeah. I love the analogy. It's not just about providing kind of the bat and the gloves and, you know, making sure all the equipment is right, right? It's okay, now we got to study the game film. So we know kind of what what's working and not working. And then I love the aspect of then practice on top of that, and how you get into batting cage, and you work on, you know, hitting that curveball that the competition is throwing or making sure you can deal with that fastball, because you know, that's what you're going to be facing, maybe in that next call, and being able to do it right ahead of that meeting. Because we know how much is getting thrown at our sellers, how busy they are, how there's more meetings than ever. So to me, that's definitely the challenge is how do we get them to be efficient with the time that we have to get them to learn the equipment, study the game film and the practice so that they can become effective when ultimately they take the field. And uh, yeah, Sean's analogies are fantastic. Yes. I think there's a lot that could be learned from that. And hopefully some evolvers can borrow that. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our evolver community with today, Mark? Um, I, I, there's, there's a lot. The one that comes to mind is the, the role of, you know, my role as a sales leader for the sales leaders out there um, that the modern seller really desires more from your sales leadership and enablement teams to put them in a position to win. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there are, there are the right tools and strategies to go and do that. But it is, it is a, it is a priority to be thinking about, am I putting my team in a position to win? Right. It's like that level of responsibility that I kind of carry with myself every day. And, um, but in order to win, today, the tool sets that are needed are dramatically different. And so the advice is just re recalibrate, re um, dig back in to make sure that uh, they are truly prepared to win and um, take on a, a new modern approach to, to getting there because there's lots of really innovative things you could be doing. 
Yeah. And like you said, they're superstars, right? The modern seller is very well fine-tuned Formula One racing machine, right? And right. They're ex they expect a lot out of enablement and leadership to win. And so we got to come with the right tools. You got to have the right mindset and skill set, right? So right. I love Sean's analogy of kind of getting it into the equipment, the game film, and the practice to deliver the tool set, the mindset, game film, and then the skill set ultimately with the with the active training. So well, right. well wrapped up, Mark. And uh, we'll definitely have to get Sean on for a, a, a follow on as he digs in and kind of gets his feet under him with the organization. I know it's a new role and, and a new one for him, but hopefully we'll get him on in a, in a couple of months here. And I'm sure you will. He, he can share some great. of this Awesome. How can the Evolver community find and reach online, Mark? Absolutely. Would uh, probably LinkedIn is the best. Uh, so feel free to fire off a LinkedIn message and chat with us on our website. Um, e either of those options are probably easiest and uh, would love to be in touch. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for joining us and participating. Make the Evolvers a great and growing community. Tom, thank you for having me. Enjoyed awesome. it. Be sure to uh, select follows uh, on the Evolvers podcast so you can get updates. Hit like if you like this content. Show Mark some love for all that he shared with us today. And Evolvers, until next time, keep evolving.